Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I'm so glad you're here, you guys, really. It's so encouraging to me to know that so many of you desire an amazing marriage. My hope through this podcast is to help you be a better steward of your life and marriage, to the glory of God and for the good of others. And I show up here each week because I wholeheartedly believe that this is my little sliver of contribution toward that aim. And my prayer and motivation since the beginning of this podcast is that it would better equip you for what you feel called to do so that you can run your race without tripping over your marriage, if you will. (laughs) I just desire that you and your marriage would be an asset to the life you're leading and the people whose lives you touch. So thanks again for showing up here to be a part of this series on what every couple needs to know about marital change. So far, we've talked about how our self-protective tendencies co-create our conflict patterns. And the reason I spent two weeks on those topics is because when we try to make change without an understanding of how we ourselves work or how our relationships work, we can actually end up making things worse. And a lot of couples do this. That's why many of them come to therapy. It's a handful that come in proactively, but it's the majority that currently come in after years of ignoring these issues or doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different outcome, but not getting one. This is consistent, by the way, with John Gottman's research, who says that couples usually wait six years too long to come to therapy. That's also part of what I'm hoping to change through this podcast, right? But within that time, what these couples do is inadvertently create unhelpful feedback loops that often reinforce the very problem they're trying to solve. Because that's what we do. We establish patterns. And those patterns over time either reinforce our set norm, as we talked about in January, or they move us away from our set norm in either healthier or less healthy directions. But today, finally, we are talking about how to do something different together in your marriage. So how to make change on a behavioral level together. As we've talked about before, the only things that any of us are really in control of are our own thoughts and our own actions. So through this episode, what I hope to do is challenge the way you maybe have been approaching issues in your marriage in order that by the end of this episode, you'd have a couple of takeaways for doing something different. Before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step, next steps to take, and a prayer for your marriage. To get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. And one more quick announcement. The winner of last week's Valentine's giveaway is Devin and her husband, Greg. So congrats, you two. I have a gift card coming your way, and I hope you enjoy your Valentine's Day. Compliments of Brave Marriage. So when it comes to making change in our marriage, doing something different than we've done before, 
We have to tread lightly here. Remember, relational patterns are fairly predictable. Our interactions are more habitual than we'd like to think that they are. And because this is so, our patterned interactions in the systems we've put in place would prefer that we not change. Because changing in a more positive direction takes effort and energy and conscientiousness. And it's often easier to stay the same in the short term, even though this can have detrimental effects long term. So what does this mean practically? It means that no matter how desperate we are for change in our relationship, we have to go slow. We have to have patience for the process. And that doesn't mean we passively wait for things to get better or that we have an excuse not to try or get our acts together, right? But what it means is that if we want things to get better together, we have to work with where we are and with what we've co-created rather than against those things. Otherwise, our resistance will be so great to the prospect of change that we just won't. We'll either give up prematurely or convince ourselves that we can't change our marriages for the better when the truth is we can. It's just that many of us don't know how to change in ways that lead to something healthier. And those of us who do or have an inkling of how to do that don't often appreciate the patience required for such an endeavor. So we have to take baby steps in the right direction over time. Starting with doing more of what is working and less of what isn't. Remember our talk about pursuers and withdrawers last week? Well, here's the direction that each party needs to take in order to create a more positive and healthy marital dynamic. To my pursuers, give your partner space. And all of my pursuers just had a moment of freak out, I know. So if you're a pursuer and that didn't settle well with you, I want you to stick with that feeling for a second. Why does giving your partner space create so much discomfort? Where does that come from? What are you afraid will happen if you stop doing what you're doing? You might be thinking, but Kinsey, if I put my foot on the brake, our marriage is going to come to a halt because my spouse sure as heck isn't going to press on the gas. It's all up to me. Well, let me ask you, how's that strategy working for you? Is it leading to more or less frustration? I know it feels counterintuitive to back off a little bit, but here's what it does for your relationship. It gives your relationship the space it needs for your partner to step up and move toward you. And isn't that what you want in the first place? Basically, if you take up all the room, there's not going to be any leftover for your partner. And I know the fear is that your partner won't step up. But you've at least got to give the space to see what will happen. So if you find yourself frustrated and moving toward your partner more often than seems helpful, try to create some space to see whether or not they will step up once that space is created for them. Now, I've told you that in conflict, Evan and I are both withdrawers. However, there have been a few things in our marriage where I've acted as the pursuer, and it took me a long time to realize that my pursuit in these areas was due to my own desire to have a wonderful marriage, right? But that was either taken too far 
or placed on an unrealistic timeline, meaning my own. And I think these are the reasons that a lot of us feel uncomfortable taking a step back. But because Evan and I are each on our own growth journeys, just like you and your spouse are each on yours, to expect our partners to grow at the rate that we're growing in every possible area is not only unfair, but impossible. And it's especially unfair when both of us desire the best possible marriage, right? But for me personally, in these areas, when my desire for health and wholeness crossed over into impossible standards, well, neither of us won in that situation, right? Now, thankfully, I have a husband who is willing to talk these things out with me and who, despite my insistence, was able to differentiate himself from my emotion and told me, you know, Kinsey, it's not that I don't want those very same things. I do. It's just that you haven't given me time between our last conversation and this one to process or to wrap my head around it. So without even realizing it, I was getting discouraged before he ever had a chance, right? So if you're a pursuer, don't do that. (laughs) Give your spouse room to grow, space to move towards you in their own time. And more importantly, If you know deep down that your spouse loves you and ultimately wants the same things you do, give them your confidence in their ability to show up for you in your marriage. And also, if you have a more withdrawing partner, I want you to let them listen to this section of the episode and see if they resonate at all. As the pursuer, though, I know this response may feel to you like the best option. But it's important to recognize that as a pursuer, Once you cross over the line from assertiveness and expressiveness into protest or criticism or any of the reactions that we talked about two weeks ago, this relational response is no longer helping you but hurting you in your marriage. So remember, we want to start by doing less of what's not working and more of what is. So criticize less, appreciate more. If you feel compelled to bring something up, simply tell your partner that you'd like to talk and ask when would be a good time for them to do that. See, your spouse needs to know that they're safe in your home. And that doesn't mean you're a threat. It just means that their withdrawal response is wired to shut down. So there has to be a period of reprieve, a time for your spouse to decompress, or time to think about things before you talk them out together. Because you're different people. And remember, we're after the smallest unit of change possible, so what can you do to manage yourself and take a step back to make more room for your partner in a way that feels good to you? And whatever that is, give it a try. Now, to my withdrawers, be present with your partner. Engage your partner when they try to talk to you, and better yet, if you can, initiate a conversation yourself. And I know all of my withdrawers just got sweaty palms right about now, but if you're a withdrawer and even my suggestion to move in rather than away caused some internal tension, I want you to ask yourself why that is. Where does it come from? What are you afraid will happen if you do try and engage? And try talking with your spouse about this tendency. 
On a basic level, many withdrawers think, but it's safer. I'm afraid if I try to move toward my spouse, if I'm the one to engage, I'll say something wrong, or I'll say something I'm going to regret, or I'll end up making things worse. But really, is continuing to do what you're already doing creating the results that you want? Again, I know it feels counterintuitive to move toward your spouse, but here's what it does for your relationship. It allows the pursuer to relax a little bit. It provides some safety and security and takes the burden off of your spouse from feeling like they're the one most often leading the relationship. And it gives your partner the reassurance that they need, knowing simply that you're still there, that you still care. Because at the end of the day, in your partner's pursuit of you, that's all they're usually after. So as a withdrawer, rather than playing your normal role in the relationship, I want you to think, what would my spouse appreciate? What's the smallest thing I could do to show my spouse that I care, that I'm here, and that I'm not going anywhere? And then try it out. See what works and do more of what does and less of what doesn't. So be present more, withdraw less. Initiate more FaceTime or a time to talk together and spend less time in your own head. Now, when you try this, you may come up against your own resistance. Your self-protective tendencies may kick in stronger than ever, and the invisible rope tugging you back toward your set norm may have a stronger pull than you expected. So as I said earlier, the only thing you can truly control are your own actions and your own thoughts. So here are a few ways to change your thoughts in order to align them more fully with the direction you desire to go as a couple. The first way to change your thinking is to realize that trusting the change that's happening today will require new evidence. A lot of couples I work with come to this point where they're like, we're doing something different, we're trying here, but it just feels like we're never going to get better. And what I ask them is, well, how long did it take for you to create this old pattern? Usually, they say years. My next question is, well, how long have you been working to create a new pattern? And in most cases, it's just a few weeks. And so my final question is, well, what progress have you seen in the past few weeks? And they can usually list out like two or three things that are going better than they were before. It's just that our brains and our hearts really want to hold on to the past because it feels safer to protect ourselves than to trust the new changes that are happening. So if you guys find yourselves here, goodness, give yourself some grace. A few weeks does not a new marriage make. And again, it makes sense that when we try to change together, our hearts and minds don't trust it. Because our present experience doesn't necessarily have past evidence to point to, telling us that we can do this. And so our brains go straight to all-or-nothing thinking, telling us that nothing's ever going to change, even though we're actively in the process of changing. So pay attention to this one as you work to make change in your marriage together, because this one mindset could make all the difference between pushing past that limiting belief and growing together, or creating a self-fulfilling prophecy and sabotaging your relationship. 
The second way to change your thinking to align it with where you want to end up together is to think, in every moment of interaction, is what I'm about to do going to draw me closer to my spouse's heart or move me further away from my spouse's heart? This is a question about intimacy. Is what I'm about to say going to draw us in to one another or push us away from each other? Is it moving us toward connection or disconnection in our marriage? Is it helping us lean into each other or to lean out of our marriage? And this is not about rules or do's and don'ts or manipulating our words or actions to get a certain result. This is about shifting our attention to what we desire for our relational intimacy to look like. Do you see the difference? Asking what to do or what not to do leads to tiptoeing around your partner and therefore creating false intimacy. Whereas asking, is this moving me toward my spouse or away from my spouse, leads us to authenticity and vulnerability. It's about choosing self-control or assertiveness depending on what the situation needs and depending on what our relationship needs, which, by the way, is always going to be the truest version of you. So your action step this week is to listen to this episode with your spouse, of course, and then talk together about one thing, the smallest thing, that each of you could do differently to change your dynamic, and then give it a try for a week. This can be challenging to both pursuers and withdrawers as you work toward something different and unfamiliar to each of you, so be sure to treat it like an experiment. Because as I've said, change takes time. And yes, of course, I want you to experience immediate relief, But I'm not going to lie and say that if you do these things this week, you will for sure see a lasting change in your marriage. Real change requires action over time, not one-time action. So treat it like an experiment and continue to reevaluate until you each find something that moves you toward the other in the same spirit of doing more of what works and less of what doesn't. And of course, if you need help, I'm available for marriage therapy and coaching in Lexington, Kentucky, or for phone consultations if you live out of state. My prayer for your marriage this week, sweet friends, is that the Lord would do a new thing in you, in you as individuals and in you as a couple, and that as He does, you would both be able to perceive it and receive it, that your story would be one of hope and courage and love. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle. Love is not a bond. Love is just as fragile as it is.